0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Dr. Pam Gurley, who takes on many different roles. She's an author, speaker, CEO, podcaster, professor, and savvy businesswoman. And we're, we're trying to get into all of those things, but there's definitely some more exploring to be done after the fact. But we cover plenty in this episode. We're talking all about her experience as a writer, her new series of children's books, how she designs the cover, all of the other elements that go into book writing besides actually putting pen to paper or keystroke to computer screen, however you want to phrase it. We're chatting about... Pam's amazing travel history as well. She's been to 40 U.S. states and 31 countries, learning all about different cultures and viewpoints of the world. We're talking about her background in the Army as well. You might not guess from looking at her, but she is a veteran, a military brat as she describes it, and there's just so much jam-packed into this episode. Pamela has lots of great experiences and insights, and she's sharing them all, which is what you like to hear in a podcast. You don't want someone that's just like, no, and then it's awkward silence for a minute. We like hearing the other way around here. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People, Cool Things, you can reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCTpodcast. And you can always send an email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. And now let's hop into the conversation with Pamela. For people who don't know who Dr. Pam Gurley is... Can you tell us your elevator pitch? And can you also tell us the type of elevator that we're riding on?
1: You know what? So I would have to say that first and foremost, everything that I do evolves around writing. So I consider myself a writer. I am a technical writer, I am an author writer, and I'm a media writer. So, in a nutshell, I am a writer. And I would say that if you are on an elevator with me, ah, uh, You know what, I'm going to even say it's a superstardom elevator because I am a woman of many talents (laughs) because there's so much more to me outside of everything that I do. So when people ask me, who is Pam or Pamela or Dr. Pam, I would say that I, you know, I'm I'm a driven woman who loves food. I'm a big foodie. I love traveling and I really just love to operate in servitude. I love knowing that I can change people's lives in some way, shape, or form, and for them to make that transformation that's necessary for them to live in their authentic truth.
0: And I have to ask, as as someone else that has certainly dabbled, uh, or I should say gotten more into cooking during the pandemic, I've always been kind of interested in it, but now with more free time, it's like, let's do more of it. Do you have a favorite meal to cook
1: I do not I don't even have a favorite meal to eat okay <laughs> <laughs> I I think for me I cuz I like to experiment so I don't have anything set are there things that I cook better than other things certainly but I'm that type that I love experimenting so I would make my own marinades I love lamb chops so I experiment with different seasonings and flavors and creating just different things that I look at, I look at online and I'm like, Oh, I might have to make that, or I'll try that out, but I'll make it with a twist because, you know, sometimes I don't know where they grocery shop. They find the, some of the things, and if it's not already in my house sometimes, and I don't go get it, I'm going to improvise. <laughs> so I <don't> have <laughs> I don't have anything specific that I would say is my favorite to cook.
0: Love it. Yeah, some of those recipes, it's like 32 different spices. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to spend $400 on this. I will use the garlic and salt that I have here. And exactly.
1: Exactly. I, you know, and I mean, I think that so many things have natural flavors. Like I will cook with natural herbs like parsley and cilantro and what is it, basils and fresh you know, fresh mint things. So that's how I really love to cook and experiment, especially during COVID. So during the first year of COVID, I had my own garden. So I was gardening and I grew my own everything, herbs and vegetables. So I was going out, picking out my own uh, jalapenos and uh, what else was out I? I Like cilantro and basil. I was making my own. I had tomatoes, I was just growing all kinds of stuff.
0: So tasty! I did the same too. I had uh, just basil and tomato though, because it was my first time trying to actually garden. And I think at the beginning I was a little skeptical, like how you know how much better can this be, really? And then the first time I made. Pesto and then tried the tomatoes. I said, okay, I it's see. It's big different. I see why this is so much better.
1: Yes. <laughs> you know what? People don't believe, you know, believe me when I say some, there's something about your own going out and picking fresh. It, it cooks different. It tastes different. You don't even have to cook it for as long either. So there's something about just going out there, having your own garden and picking whatever it is that you want out of that garden. I'm not saying I grew a whole lot of things, but it made me get turned on to freshness. So then in the next year I was like, Oh, I think I'm going to, I want to grow more. So then, then I gave out. It was like, okay, that was quickly died as soon as I was able to get out the house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does take more work than you'd think. Yeah.
1: It absolutely does.
0: Now going back to, you said, first and foremost, you're a writer. Do you remember the very first thing you wrote, or if not that, the first thing that you wrote where you're like, okay, I want to do this for a living?
1: I don't. I think, oh, that's such a good question, a really great question, because I started writing poetry when I was very, very young, and I have all my books, even from my childhood when I was writing, and I had some published in compilation books and I don't even I think my mom still has one of them the other one I don't know what it is I don't even remember the name because I didn't really take it that serious then but I, I don't recall the first thing that I wrote I probably have to look that, look that up maybe by dates because a lot of my poetry I dated and so it goes back to like the 90s
0: I always love like stumbling upon things like that where I'm just like because we Obviously, we change over time, but it's such an interesting, almost like a snapshot of just that era of what we were going through and what we were thinking, and it's super cool to see. Yeah,
1: like I'm. I just so happened to pull one now. Yeah, this one, this one's dated back to '93, and I was even writing before then. So I have multiple books. They sit on my bookshelf. You know, of course, I'm a I'm an avid reader as much as I am a writer. Naturally, being turned on to writing and understanding the con that the construct of how you should write and how to storytell, whether it's personal or whether it's fiction or a mixture of both.
0: Now, I want to, to get into that storytelling process because I think you're spot on that that's very important. But I have an important question first. Your bookshelf, how do you organize it? Or do you?
1: I do not. <laughs> I absolutely do not. Although I organize it typically by size of books. I have college books because I'm a college professor and of course I had a doctorate so I still have some of my books from school I have language books you know to build Spanish vocabulary all of my books are you know that are Spanish are kind of together but I really don't have them in alphabetical order or anything like you will find in a library I don't have them set like that
0: no Dewey decimal system going on I like it (laughs) no
1: not not at all they're not even by author or anything else so (laughs) just they're just there. You know, there is a, in my mind, there's a way, a feng shui of them being there, but for the most part, no.
0: no I'm, I'm on your side on that. My sister has hers organized by color, um, which is aesthetically very nice and pleasing, but I feel like I have difficulty finding things. So I just like my kind of haphazard organization style.
1: This is only for books. Now, my closet is just like that. It's by it's by work. It's by color. Uh, and my shoes are the same way in my closet. I'm very OCD when it comes to certain things. But when it comes to books, like I have all of my Spanish books together. I have all of my college books together. And then, you know, personal reads, I don't think I really have together. some. Most of it is by height. And, and that's kind of how I've done it.
0: I like it. I like, I also might need uh, your help with my closet because it is very (laughs) unorganized.
1: (laughs) I can't even have colorful hangers. All of my colors, all of my hangers are the same color in my closet. Yes. That's,
0: that's next level. I like it. I like it. Now you talked about how storytelling is such an important element uh, in, in fiction, nonfiction, whatever the case may be. So when you're writing, I I hate asking it like this because it's such a cliche question, but what's kind of your writing process like? And how do you make sure that the story you're telling is one that's going to be impactful to readers?
1: So because I don't really write fiction, I like to think that I don't like write fiction, although I can have fictional characters, because like my children's books, they're fictional characters. But the information in it is not so fiction, it's real life. It's teaching you how to love yourself from the inside to the outside. Other books that I have written, let's say for adults, they are impactful because it comes from inside. So a lot of times I'm shedding exactly how I feel and how I see the world. I think being, I call myself a gifted writer. I'm able to put myself in other people's shoes and situations and feel just by talking to them. I connect with so many different people in my life and I've talked to them and I've traveled. So my perspective is very well-rounded. And so when I am writing, I'm writing from those experiences, whether I had them or someone else has had them and, and it, I took issue with it, whether it's from a hurtful place or an excited place, it was still something that resonated in me that I could have an opinion on. And so those are the things that I write about it never takes me very long to write. I recently published a PR guide, you know, it was a book, but it was, I call it the PR prep guide. I finished that in two weeks and published it because it was, people kept asking me questions and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, so let me end this so that people don't have to ask so many questions. And someone who now I'm two years into having a PR, I look at it very differently. I also look at it very differently from a journalist standpoint. So I use that experience, both through both lenses to write something. And it just pours out of me. And that's my writing process. I know a lot of people say, Oh, I I don't know what to write, you just write, you write, and you clean it up later, or you write and you throw out what you don't need.
0: Yes, I wholeheartedly agree that I think the the blinking cursor is the great enemy of a lot of people, and it's like, no, just start writing. Like it's you're probably not going to use a hundred percent of what you write, but you're going to get some good stuff out of it. And I think that's, that's oh definitely for sure. Yeah, that's
1: the most important. So that that's the, what I tell everyone when people talk about write, just write. It doesn't have to be anything significant. It doesn't have to make sense. It could be thoughts. It could be ideas. Wherever you write them, however you write them, the most important part is when it comes to you. You just write because you never know when you will when you will use it later on. You might end up using it in another book. I be I will be honest. When I before I even published my first book, I never had no intentions on being a writer. I wrote my first book in well, I, I did an anthology in twenty nineteen, and then in twenty nineteen, a few months later, I actually published my own book which was, you know, a solo project. And I said, I am never writing again. And then, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And in 2022, didn't write anything. And then 2021 hit and I published in March, I published in June, I published in August, I published in September, I published in October. So now I, I, think, I think of myself, okay, so officially I'm a 16 time published. I'm probably really an author now and really truly a writer.
0: I love it. So are you, do you still have those thoughts that pop up after you publish a book where it's maybe for like a day or two where you're kind of like, I'm never doing that again?
1: You know what? I don't even have those thoughts because I have other books that are coming out. I'm going to be publishing my children's book every quarter, you know, a new set every quarter for the next two years. So I really can't say I'm not going to be an author up until that point. But also, I also have other projects outside of those children's books that are coming out that I'm, I'm wrapping up. I have another one that should be released this this month, if not early part of next month. I have another one I'm praying to finish up that it's taking me a very long time to write. So there, there are times that other books do interfere with other projects that I'm working on.
0: Yeah. Do you get like mixed up between the two where you're writing one of them and a story from the other one kind of like seeps its way no. in? No.
1: Nope, just this one book is taking me a long time to finish. I thought my first book, because it was very personal and it was about my life, I thought that would be very difficult, but not like this one. I've been writing this one for, oh, about two years, a year and a half. And it's really, it's that challenging to write. It's a very uniquely written book. And so, I plan to finish it. I have a goal to finish it this month. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll meet that goal. But I want to see it through.
0: Yes. Now it's the challenge. Every every year, I I I well, not every year, but a couple of years, I have tried to to do National Novel Writing Month. But the fact that it's in November, like I'm traveling for Thanksgiving, this also seems to be a, a pretty common month for weddings. So sometimes I'm traveling. For that and it's just it's it's tough to write on the road, which I know is just an excuse, but yes, it is
1: (laughs) because I if I'm not driving, I can I can do a lot of work while I'm writing and and I've been known to do that.
0: Yes, I have tried typing in the car or or writing with a pen and paper and it does not end well. Whoever is driving would not appreciate that I get very nauseous and have to pull the car over to stop. Oh, rebalance myself so yes, oh that's awful i uh, it's yeah it's not great on an airplane sure i'm i can do work no problem obviously sitting in a non-moving area also also doable but yeah in a car is like the one spot so when you said when you're not driving i i admire your ability to work as a passenger in a car
1: oh yeah i can go totally deep in thought you know when i'm when i'm driving oh no when i'm riding when i'm riding and i don't have to drive oh Yes. And so when I, but but the reason why I say that when I'm driving, I still work, except for instead of writing, if I'm by myself, that is, I do um, audio. And then I transcribe it later on.
0: That's, yeah, that's a a great technique to do. And it's like you're promoting too. If you're out on a walk, you're promoting exercise while you're writing. It's a win win. It is.
1: And so a lot of times that's what I do because as ideas come, you have to be ready to, to put those down. And so I do. I make use of if I'm, if I'm walking or writing, I will either vo- you know, vocal record it and transcribe it later or I put it in my notes. If it's just a single sentence, then I'll put it in my notes because I do have several of those. And sometimes I end up using them and sometimes they just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's terrible because I'm sure I have a whole lot that is just sitting there.
0: Well, maybe that's for twenty twenty two.
1: You know, be, I, I the
0: unpublished notes.
1: It, you know what? That would be. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, but they were. There's a whole lot. Three hundred and twenty three notes just in my phone. Ooh. Yeah.
0: That's very impressive. I wonder how many notes I have now. Probably not. Yeah,
1: I had to look because I was like, oh, no, I no, not know. I I put a lot in my notes, and I never know what they are especially as a writer. So, if somebody that does media, I even think of titles for my own stuff. So, that's what I that's what I do. And now I'm putting I'm, I just found one. So, I'm like, "Oh, let me make sure and pin it so I don't forget <laughs> that specific thing." Cuz you never know what becomes a title.
0: Oh, no, it's it's amazing how that happens. You're just like, yeah, you're like sitting around one day and you're like, "Wait, that's it.
1: <laughs> I know. And I absolutely love that I can pin stuff now. I don't,
0: I don't even know if I know how to do that.
1: On the iPhone, you can pin your notes, like the ones that's most important to oh, you. Like out of the 323, I, yes. I have maybe 10 that are pinned.
0: Well, you know what, Pam, you have taught me something new today.
1: <laughs> so now make great use of your notes and then just pin it. Because when you pin it, you're more likely to go back to it. I have stuff in here. I probably have not gone back to 323. I'm probably not really going back. I save website links. I save book notes. I save even book chapters where I've started drafting different chapters that I want in my books. That's another thing that I do. I I draft, I do outlines of the things that I want. And that's what I, I sometimes will write in it. And then sometimes I will make changes. But initial thoughts about things that I write go right into my notes.
0: Efficiency is just spectacular. I'm very impressed. Well done all around. And one of the books, you've been talking about it a little bit, your children's series, Brown Girl and Brown Boy. You've got yes. three out currently, is that correct? Or is the fourth one out as of last month?
1: Okay. So, so I have two titles and six books out because my books are published in english french and spanish so there's two books one is brown boy be social brown girl be social but they're in english french and spanish and then there's uh brown girl break barriers brown boy break barriers and those are also written in english french and spanish so the way that publications work every title no matter what language requires a different isbn the other part people people may not who don't publish or you know, is interested in publishing, if you go from a hard cover to a soft cover, those require two different ISBNs and two different publications. So it's the same book, but it, it requires a different ISBN number the way that it's published. So you have to publish the hard copy and then publish the soft copy. So technically you have two times published.
0: Love it, love it. And one of the other things that I think is always interesting is to kind of talk about the book covers. Because, like, as you know, there's a lot of books out there. And when people are browsing in a bookstore or they're looking online, they're seeing covers next to other covers and things like that. And I think both for your children's books, but also for the other books that you've written, I think they all have very eye-catching, attractive covers that would make people stop scrolling if they're looking online or make people kind of stop browsing at a bookstore. So can you kind of take us through, were these... You're, like, did you have these ideas for covers right away, or what did that kind of look like to get them to the final results?
1: So I'm such a weirdo when it comes to writing. <laughs> a lot of times I come up with the title of the book that I want, and before I write anything, except for my children's book, I will say that, but the other covers, I... Make I create the covers before I even start writing. It's like an inspiration for me to see something right there. And I've created all of my own covers for all of my books, minus the children's book. The children's book, because it requires an illustrator and I am by no means an artist or an illustrator. So no, but so here's the unique thing about children's books. When, once the manuscript is written then that's when the homework begins. So the manuscript is really easy, especially for the age group that my children's books are in. The manuscripts are so easy to push out there, but once you're done with the manuscript, you literally have to take every page that you want and do design, write it out. What color, um, if, you, if they're in a bedroom, because you have to say scene or um, setting, and then, Colors, you I mean, down to everything. What do you want in a room? You know, because I look at my children's books. They wake up, they're in a room. I'm I'm choosing the color of the room, the, the bed colors, things I want on the wall. I uh, stuffed animals, toys, blocks, things that's going to be, you know, if it's a window, is it nighttime, daytime? Are there trees outside? Is it facing another house? What color are those things? What color is the children wearing? How is the hair? <laughs> there are so many dynamics that go to it. And it's the exact same way for the cover. How do you want the cover to look? What colors do you want? Uh, Are they, is it very colorful? Is it very dark? What What is the child doing? Is she doing something or he doing something that's in the book? Then you have to also consider the back of the cover. The back of the cover, you have to ask yourself the same exact questions. How do you want the back cover to look? Because it has to look tasteful from the front cover to the back cover. So if the front cover, like my girl is outside and the boy is outside, It needs to be able to rotate all the way around to where it makes sense. So on, like I say, on Brown Girl Be Social, on the front cover, she's standing up by a swing. On the back cover, she's sitting on a bench, but the background in and of itself really looks the same. She's outside, there's flowers, there's grass, there's a fence, there's all of those things. And then you also have to write the description of the book on the back. There's so many things, and then format, size, then you have to do test cover copies. <laughs> so it is and, and pray that you get the get it right the first time. It is so much that goes into it that I almost prefer to write, your, write to write adult books. Adult books don't require that much at all. No illustration unless you're doing one of those sci-fi or uh books that have a lot of you know imagery and pictures and whatnot, but no, if you're just writing an adult book and you might have to have a few little things here and there, because I think in my book, I had some pictures of me, some are in color, some are in, in black and white. That was still easy. It's nothing illustrated. It didn't require any quote unquote homework. And I call it homework because that's what my illustrator said. Now I'm gonna need for you to do some homework for me. I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of what it was. So I wrote it down. And so now whenever I find people who want to, um, you know, just do children's books, that's when I let them know, are you sure? Because here's what you're going to have to do. Here's the homework.
0: And I thought we were done with homework once we graduated school, but here we are. Yeah.
1: It's, (laughs) oh, it's, there are so many things that go into it. It's crazy. It's rewarding though. It is something extremely rewarding to see uh, your, your book come alive because pages, you just write the manuscript. But when you, all this detail that you provide and your illustrator puts all of these colors there and characters in place and all of those things, it's mesmerizing. I cried. <laughs> I, li- I literally cried when I first saw the, the actual printed copy of my book.
0: I totally agree. I just, I have one book under my belt and that was the same, the same reaction. I just remember I was grinning like an idiot for like five hours because I was, it goes from a word doc to a real thing that you can hold in your hands. And it's, it's one of the coolest feelings ever.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you, you know how it is to write.
0: Yeah. And yeah, all the, the elements that go into it. And that wasn't even a children's book. Like I, I feel out of breath after. Hearing you describe everything you had to go through.
1: (laughs) Look, you're going to be kind of scared and eerie now. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if I should be doing this now. But I'm telling you, it's the most rewarding thing ever just to see all of your work, you know, become a work of art, literally.
0: Yeah, it's so, so great. And everyone listening, if you've got a book in you, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta make it happen. It's so great. One of the other things that I wanted to chat about uh, is be- is your love of travel and experiencing new cultures. You've, I'm-, I'm pulling this from your website, so the numbers may be updated here, but you've been to 40 out of 50 states and 31 countries.
1: Yes. No, that's correct. Oh, yeah. So you know what? Here's the other thing about me. I manage my own website. So when things in my life change, so does my website.
0: Love it. Love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I'm extremely I try if nothing else I do try to log on when experiences happen but for the most part I know I definitely it's up to date today as of today because before it was 39 until I went to Wisconsin. Oh lovely.
0: I grew up in Chicago so frequent trips up to Wisconsin. Oh, That's a good time. I,
1: I was it I was in Chicago for my book fair or my book tour and you know for my kids red carpet that I do and where I was staying was an hour from Wisconsin. I was like, Milwaukee is right there. I've never been to Wisconsin. I've never been to Iowa either. And so I said, my next trip back to Chicago, it's—I think it's like an hour from Iowa, also.
0: I think you might have—you might have or a little. I, it's, it's closer it's, to Indiana. You might have a little bit of a drive for Iowa, no, but it's still not bad at all. Like it's doable for sure.
1: Well, still, it's it's still doable. It's closer than where I'm at now, so. For sure. So. <laughs> So I had drove literally from the D.C. area to Chicago. And then when I realized that I was an hour away, I said, huh, with traffic, it's going to take me an hour to go to downtown Chicago. And I've been to Chicago a bunch, but I've never been to Milwaukee. I love everything about Milwaukee. And I didn't even think that I would. I just wanted to go and see. And so spending about four or five hours there was so nice.
0: Yeah, it's a lovely city. It's very nice, very underrated, I think, but very great. So Iowa's one that you haven't been to. Do you know the other nine off the top of your head?
1: Oh, that that whole little section, really. Uh, what is it? North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, that whole little section up there. <laughs> that's really where I. It's really where I have not been.
0: I'm at uh, 34 out of 50, so maybe I'll see you because that's part of uh, part of the section I have not been to. Too is the Dakotas, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, all of those, those great Plains states. Yeah.
1: And yeah. not been there at all. I have been to Seattle though, but not in Oregon and all that, but I've not that little, that little section there. I have not been to.
0: Yeah. It's a little harder out in the, the like Northwest area. I, because if you go Northeast, it, some of those States are so close together, you can knock out several in a day. And well, that's maybe a little ambitious. I'd say several in one trip. You cannot. <laughs> but yeah, going from... I, I remember looking at this kind of recently. Um, someone I know recently moved to Montana. and I was like, oh, I could do a visit and then maybe hit up Idaho and Wyoming too while I'm there. And it it would have been a haul. And then COVID hit. So that got, that got delayed anyway.
1: I would not have known it was that far. They were that far away from one another.
0: I think it was where... I'm going to blank on the city now. But it was wherever they were staying, which maybe it was Helena or some city around there. And I think that's more on, let's see, I'm going to fail my geography quiz here. I think that's more (laughs) on the east side of Montana. So it's further from Idaho and Wyoming. So that would be a further drive. But I do think there is a little area where they all kind of connect, or at least are like super, super close to touching. So it's not quite the uh, four corners in, in the more like southwest, but they're still close enough. So you can, if you don't, if you don't want to see like the biggest cities, I think you could probably still knock all three out. Okay. And another question that I always like to ask, I say it's because it's less work for me, is asking you a question that you wish you were asked more frequently. And yours was, how did you transition from the army to a government job to now being an author and social activist?
1: First of all, people are always shocked when I tell them I'm a veteran. They're like, "Really?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we barely touched yes. that.
1: <laughs> yes, I I am. I'm a military brat. My dad was did 23 years in the army, and I loved going. I, and I was one of those. I'm a daddy's girl, so I loved going to PT. I would run with him. Probably my love of running, and yeah, I don't know. He didn't want me to go into the army. I think he really wanted wanted me to go to the Air Force, but I wanted to go into the Army. And so I did, and my Army career was short-lived, but I met a lot of great people who I am still in contact with today. I You learn, you learn a lot about resiliency and structure, and I was very grateful to be able to understand what structure really meant and, t- and team collaboration meant when it comes to structure. That's one of my takeaways, but I think for me, I already went in with with a soldier mentality because my dad was a drill sergeant. So when I went to to basic, I had no cares in the world. I, just, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't worried about being scared at home, someone talk to me or anything because I grew up in that house and I wasn't. He didn't talk to us like soldiers, but he set my mind right about what my expectations would be. Plus, he was a drill sergeant. And here again, I can see what he does. I see how he talked to soldiers. And so for me, it was very easy to make that transition. I was a lifeguard, believe it or not, before I went into the military, I was a lifeguard. <laughs> so it was an easy transition for me from lifeguard to soldier. And when I I worked in the pediatric clinic, it, it I definitely nursing and that whole field was not for me. Nothing medical, but I did take to the psych, you know, psychology of working with children, and I decided that's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did. I got out, and before even going federal to do government budgeting, I did behavioral health uh, for three years, technically four, but for the federal, I had my own government contract for three years, and a year prior to that, I did a stint. You know, like intern time or whatever uh, for a school in Philly, for like right after I finished my psychology degree. So my my love of kids, and I'm honestly just realizing how often my career has been spent (laughs) working with children to some degree. That I would write a children's book. I never put that together until I just said it just now. Like, wow, okay, I've been around children for a very long time.
0: Well, I'm happy to help with the revelation. That's awesome. You're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with the top three. And for you, I'd love to hear your top three favorite books and authors.
1: Oh, okay. So my top three favorite books and authors. I would say my my top number one is. Condoleezza Rice and the book about herself, and I don't remember the name of that book right offhand. I probably won't remember the name of half of them. My other, my other favorite author would be uh, I like Eric Jerome Dickey. It's another favorite author of mine, and then the third favorite author is Livy Zoe, which is my sister, and hands down, she has always been a very inspiring and instrumental writer to me because she writes fiction and her fiction has always had a way of taking me away for me to learn how to be creative and and step out of the reality so I always say like I'm a fiction writer so you either get the truth or you have an opportunity to be taken away and her writing has always been able to play like a movie in my mind and I'm fascinated by that so those are my top three and by the way, that's how I became really what made me become a social activist was Condoleezza Rice's book and her life around that. So, yeah,
0: isn't that just a great testament to the power of good writing and storytelling? Yes, is that it? It set you on your journey. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I think people underestimate uh, the power of writing. I think writing is so underrated, and. I I love there's something also about cracking the spine of a book that's almost therapeutic. And so, while yes, audiobooks are great because you can do them on the go and you can pile more books on if you have a device, but there is nothing more gratifying than something tangible that you can just crack open and just read because your eyes get tired looking at like screens all day and it's very easy to be disturbed, but you can really just kind of melt away and faint away. It's almost like that. Remember the old Calgon commercial books that you get the opportunity to read page by page and turn those pages really have a way of just taking you away like Calgon.
0: Now I just want to curl up with a nice book. It's a great (laughs) book. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's something very therapeutic about it because you're not holding on to a device, you're not in, and you got you need a device to either hear or you have you need a device to read. And so having a tangible book, it it really does something that is so unique to you know our senses. It heightens them. And then it it allows your mind to think a lot differently when you're reading it because it does. It plays it's either introspective or it's cre—it makes you very creative because you have to when you're reading a book and it's creating all of these descriptions, you have an opportunity in your mind to create what you want to see. That's the power of books. But that's why I'm such an advocate for literacy because, without it, who would we really be?
0: I, I mean, I have nothing to add to that. That's fantastic, and <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna curl up with a nice book. We're each gonna grab a book. It'll be great. But before that if people want to learn more about you pick up a copy of i'd say all the books that you've written where can they find you
1: uh so i'm uh, i'm online on all social media at i am dr p girly i a m d r p g u r l e y and that's everywhere uh, from youtube to clubhouse to the wisdom app now that's uh, to you know, Facebook, Instagram. And then my books are everywhere. If you Google Dr. Pamela Gurley, all of my books have come up, but they're on Amazon. They're available online, working at getting them in stores now for 2022. But online, they're available. At Walmart, Target online, um, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. If you're overseas and you're listening to this, they're available on Blackwell. They ship all over the UK and in, even in Australia. And so just about everywhere online books are sold you can find all of my books.
0: Love it. Fantastic all around. Dr. Pam Grally, thank you so much for having on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed this, you know, our just our friendly, you know, unscripted conversation. It's always so refreshing.
0: Likewise. Likewise. We may script our books but we, we do not script our conversation.
1: That, that's correct. And I barely script my books. So.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we always have to end with a corny joke, as we do. So what's it like to be an aspiring writer? You know, it's just difficult to put into words. Get after it today, people.